0: THE AVENGER PART 2 OF THE LOCK AND KEY LIBRARY This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Schneider THE LOCK AND KEY LIBRARY Edited by Julian Hawthorne THE AVENGER by Thomas De Quincey PART 2 conceive then that three weeks have passed away that the poor wise house have been laid in the narrow sanctuary which no murderer's voice will ever violate quiet has not returned to us but the first flutterings of panic have subsided people are beginning to respire freely again and such another space of time would have cicatrized our wounds when hark a church bell rings out a loud alarm THE NIGHT IS STARLIGHT AND FROSTY, THE IRON NOTES ARE HEARD CLEAR, SOLEMN, BUT AGITATED. WHAT COULD THIS MEAN? I HURRIED TO A ROOM OVER THE PORTER'S LODGE, AND OPENING THE WINDOW, I CRIED OUT TO A MAN PASSING HASTILY BELOW, WHAT IN GOD'S NAME IS THE MEANING OF THIS? IT WAS A WATCHMAN BELONGING TO OUR DISTRICT, I KNEW HIS VOICE, HE KNEW MINE, AND HE REPLIED IN GREAT AGITATION it is another murder sir at the old town councillors albernaas and this time they have made a clear house of it god preserve us has a curse been pronounced upon this city what can be done what are the magistrates going to do i don't know sir i have orders to run to the black friars where another meeting is gathering shall i say you will attend sir yes no stop a little no matter you go on i'll follow immediately i went instantly to maximilian's room he was lying asleep on a sofa at which i was not surprised for there had been a severe stag chase in the morning even at this moment i found myself arrested by two objects and i paused to survey them one was maximilian himself a person so mysterious took precedency of other interests even at a time like this and especially by his features which composed in profound sleep as sometimes happens assumed a new expression which arrested me chiefly by awaking some confused remembrance of the same features seen under other circumstances and in times long past but where this was what i could not recollect though once before a thought of the same sort had crossed my mind and the other object of my interest was a miniature which maximilian was holding in his hand he had gone to sleep apparently looking at this picture and the hand which held it had slipped down upon the sofa so that it was in danger of falling i released the miniature from his hand and surveyed it attentively it represented a lady of sunny oriental expression and features the most noble that it is possible to conceive one might have imagined such a lady with her raven locks and imperial eyes to be the favorite sultana of some ormurath or Mohammed. what was she to maximilian or what had she been for by the tear which i had once seen him drop upon this miniature when he believed himself unobserved i conjectured that her dark tresses were already laid low and her name among the list of vanished things probably she was his mother for the dress was rich with pearls and evidently that of a person in the highest rank of court beauties i sighed as i thought of the stern melancholy of her son if maximilian were he as connected probably with the fate and fortunes of this majestic beauty somewhat haughty perhaps in the expression of her fine features but still noble generous confiding laying the picture on the table i awoke maximilian and told him of the dreadful news he listened attentively made no remark but proposed that we should go together to the meeting of our quarter at the black friars he colored upon observing the miniature on the table and therefore i frankly told him in what situation i had found it and that i had taken the liberty of admiring it for a few moments he pressed it tenderly to his lips sighed heavily and we walked away together i pass over the frenzied state of feeling in which we found the meeting fear or rather horror did not promote harmony many quarreled with each other in discussing the suggestions brought forward and maximilian was the only person attended to he proposed a nightly mounted patrol for every district and in particular he offered as being himself a member of the university that the students should form themselves into a guard and go out by rotation to keep watch and ward from sunset to sunrise arrangements were made toward that object by the few people who retained possession of their senses and for the present we separated never in fact did any events so keenly try the difference between man and man some started up into heroes under the excitement some alas for the dignity of man drooped into helpless imbecility women in some cases rose superior to men but yet not so often as might have happened under a less mysterious danger a woman is not unwomanly because she confronts danger boldly but i have remarked with respect to female courage that it requires more than that of men to be sustained by hope and that it droops more certainly in the presence of a mysterious danger the fancy of women is more active if not stronger and it influences more directly the physical nature in this case few were the women who made even a show of defying the danger on the contrary with them fear took the form of sadness while with many of the men it took that of wrath and how did the russian guardsman conduct himself amidst this panic many were surprised at his behavior some complained of it i did neither he took a reasonable interest in each separate case listened to the details with attention and in the examination of persons able to furnish evidence never failed to suggest judicious questions but still he manifested a coolness almost amounting to carelessness which to many appeared revolting but these people i desired to notice that all the other military students who had been long in the army felt exactly in the same way in fact the military service of christendom for the last ten years has been anything but a parade service and to those therefore who were familiar with every form of horrid butchery the mere outside horrors of death had lost much of their terror in the recent murder there had not been much to call forth sympathy the family consisted of two old bachelors two sisters and one grand-niece the niece was absent on a visit and the two old men were cynical misers to whom little personal interest attached still in this case as in that of the weishouts the same twofold mystery confounded the public mind the mystery of the how and the profounder mystery of the why here again no atom of property was taken though both the misers had hordes of ducats and english guineas in the very room where they died their bias again though of an unpopular character had rather availed to make them unknown than to make them hateful in one point this case differed memorably from the other that instead of falling helpless or flying victims as the wisehouse had done these old men strong resolute and not so much taken by surprise left proofs that they had made a desperate defense the furniture was partly smashed to pieces and the other details furnished evidence still more revolting of the acharnment with which the struggle had been maintained In fact, with them, a surprise must have been impracticable, as they admitted nobody into their house on visiting terms. It was thought singular that from each of these domestic tragedies a benefit of the same sort should result to young persons standing in nearly the same relation. The girl who gave the alarm at the ball, with two little sisters and a little orphan nephew their cousin, divided the very large inheritance of the wisehouse, and in this latter case the accumulated savings of two long lives are vested in the person of the amiable grand-niece but now as if in mockery of all our anxious consultations and elaborate devices three fresh murders took place on the two consecutive nights succeeding these new arrangements and in one case as nearly as time could be noted the mounted patrol must have been within call at the very moment when the awful work was going on i shall not dwell much upon them but a few circumstances are too interesting to pass over the earliest case on the first of the two nights was that of a courier he was fifty years old not rich but well off his first wife was dead and his daughters by her were married away from their father's house he had married a second wife but having no children by her and keeping no servants it is probable that before an accident no third person would have been in the house at the time when the murderers got admittance about seven o'clock a wayfaring man a journeyman courier who according to our german system was now in his wanderjahr entered the city from the forest at the gate he made some inquiries about the couriers and tanners of our town and agreeably to the information he received made his way to this mr Heinberg. mr heinberg refused to admit him until he mentioned his errand and pushed below the door a letter of recommendation from a silesian correspondent describing him as an excellent and steady workman wanting such a man and satisfied by the answers returned that he was what he represented himself mr heinberg unbolted his door and admitted him then after slipping the bolt into its place he bade him sit to the fire brought him a glass of beer conversed with him for ten minutes and said you had better stay here tonight. i'll tell you why afterwards but now i'll step upstairs and ask my wife whether she can make up a bed for you and do you mind the door while i'm away so saying he went out of the room not one minute had been gone when there came a gentle knock at the door it was raining heavily and being a stranger to the city not dreaming that in any crowded town such a state of things could exist as really did in this the young man without hesitation admitted the person knocking he has declared since but perhaps confounding the feelings gained for the better knowledge with the feelings of the moment that from the moment he drew the bolt he had a misgiving that he had done wrong a man entered in a horseman's cloak and so muffled up that the journeyman could discover none of his features in a low tone the stranger said where's heinberg upstairs call him down then the journeyman went to the door by which mr heinberg had left him and called mr heinberg here's one wanting you mr heinberg heard him for the man could distinctly catch these words god bless me has the man opened the door oh the traitor i see it upon this he felt more and more consternation though not knowing why just then he heard a sound of feet behind him on turning around he beheld three more men in the room one was fastening the outer door one was drawing some arms from a cupboard and two others were whispering together he himself was disturbed and perplexed and felt that all was not right such was his confusion that either all the men's faces must have been muffled up or at least he remembered nothing distinctly but one fierce pair of eyes glaring upon him then before he could look around came a man from behind and threw a sack over his head which was drawn tight about his waist so as to confine his arms as well as impede his hearing in part and his voice altogether he was then pushed into a room but previously he had heard a rush upstairs and words like those of a person exulting and then a door closed once it opened and he could distinguish the words in one voice and for that to which another voice replied in tones that made his heart quake ay for that sir and then the same voice went on rapidly to say oh dog could you hope at which word the door closed again once he thought he heard a scuffle and he was sure that he heard the sound of feet as if rushing from one corner of a room to another but then all was hushed and still for about six or seven minutes until a voice close to his ear said now wait quietly till some persons come in to release you this will happen within half an hour accordingly in less than that time he again heard the sound of feet within the house his own bandages were liberated and he was brought to tell his story to the police office mr heinberg was found in his bedroom he had died by strangulation and the cord was still tightened about his neck during the whole dreadful scene his youthful wife had been locked in a closet where she heard and saw nothing in the second case the object of vengeance was again an elderly man of the ordinary family all were absent at a country house except the master and a female servant she was a woman of courage and blessed with the firmest nerves so that she might have been relied on for reporting accurately everything seen or heard but things took another course the first warning that she had of the murderer's presence was from their steps and voices already in the hall she heard her master run hastily into the hall crying out lord jesus mary mary save me the servant resolved to give what aid she could seized a large poker and was hurrying to his assistance when she found that they had nailed up the door of communication at the head of the stairs what passed after this she could not tell for when the impulse of intrepid fidelity had been balked she found that her own safety was provided for by means which made it impossible to aid a poor fellow-creature who had just invoked her name the generous-hearted creature was overcome by anguish of mind and sank down on the stair where she lay unconscious of all that succeeded until she found herself raised in the arms of a mob who had entered the house and how came they to have entered in a way characteristically dreadful the night was starlit the patrols had perambulated the street without noticing anything suspicious when two foot passengers who were following in their rear observed a dark-colored stream traversing the causeway one of them at the same instant tracing the stream backward with his eyes observed that it flowed from under the door of mr Munzer and dipping his finger in the trickling fluid he held it up to the lamplight yelling out at the moment why it's blood it was so indeed and it was yet warm the other saw heard and like an arrow flew after the horse patrol then in the act of turning the corner one cry full of meaning was sufficient for ears full of expectation the horseman pulled up wheeled and in another moment reined up at mr munser's door the crowd gathering like the drifting of snow supplied implements which soon forced the chains of the door and all other obstacles but the murderous party had escaped and all traces of their persons had vanished as usual rarely did any one case occur without some peculiarity more or less interesting in that which happened on the following night making the fifth in the series an impressive incident varied the monotony of horrors in this case the parties aimed at were two elderly ladies who conducted a female boarding school none of the pupils had as yet returned to school from their vacations but two sisters young girls of thirteen and sixteen coming from a distance had stayed at school through the christmas holidays it was the youngest of these who gave the only evidence of any value and one which added a new feature of alarm to the existing panic thus it was that her testimony was given on the day before the murder she and her sister were sitting with the old ladies in a room fronting to the street the elderly ladies were reading the younger ones drawing louisa the youngest never had her ear inattentive to the slightest sound and once it struck her that she heard the creaking of a foot upon the stairs she said nothing but slipping out of the room she ascertained that the two female servants were in the kitchen and could not have been absent that all the doors and windows by which ingress was possible were not only locked but bolted and barred a fact which excluded all possibility of invasion by means of false keys still she felt persuaded that she had heard the sound of a heavy foot upon the stairs it was however daylight and this gave her confidence so that without communicating her alarm to anybody she found courage to traverse the house in every direction and as nothing was either seen or heard she concluded that her ears had been too sensitively awake yet that night as she lay in bed dim terrors assailed her especially because she considered that in so large a house some closet or other might have been overlooked and in particular she did not remember to have examined one or two chests in which a man could have lain concealed through the greater part of the night she lay awake but as one of the town clocks struck four she dismissed her anxieties and fell asleep the next day wearied with this unusual watching she proposed to her sister that they should go to bed earlier than usual this they did and on their way upstairs louisa happened to think suddenly of a heavy cloak which would improve the coverings of her bed against the severity of the night the cloak was hanging up in a closet within a closet both leading off from a large room used as the young lady's dancing school these closets she had examined on the previous day and therefore she felt no particular alarm at this moment the cloak was the first article which met her sight it was suspended from a hook in the wall and close to the door she took it down but in doing so exposed part of the wall and of the floor which its folds had previously concealed turning away hastily the chances were that she had gone without making any discovery in the act of turning however her light fell brightly on a man's foot and leg matchless was her presence of mind having previously been humming an air she continued to do so but now came the trial her sister was bending her steps to the same door if she suffered her to do so lotchen would stumble on the same discovery and expire of fright on the other hand if she gave her a hint lotchen would either fail to understand her or gaining but a glimpse of her meaning would shriek aloud or by some equally decisive expression convey the fatal news to the assassin that he had been discovered in this torturing dilemma fear prompted an expedient which to lachen appeared madness and to louisa herself the act of a sibyl instinct with blind inspiration here said she is our dancing room when shall we all meet and dance again together saying which she commenced a wild dance whirling her candle round her head until the motion extinguished it then eddying round her sister in narrow circles she seized lotchen's candle also blew it out and then interrupted her own singing to attempt a laugh but the laugh was hysterical the darkness however favored her and seizing her sister's arm she forced her along whispering come 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 lotchen could not be so dull as entirely to misunderstand her she suffered herself to be led up the first flight of stairs at the head of which was a room looking into the street in this they would have gained an asylum for the door had a strong bolt but as they were on the last steps of the landing they could hear the hard breathing and long strides of the murderer ascending behind them he had watched them through a crevice and had been satisfied by the hysterical laugh of louisa that she had seen him in the darkness he could not follow fast from ignorance of the localities until he found himself upon the stairs louisa dragging her sister along felt strong as with the strength of lunacy but latin hung like a weight of lead upon her she rushed into the room but at the very entrance latin fell at that moment the assassin exchanged his stealthy pace for a loud clattering ascent already he was at the topmost stair already he was throwing himself at a bound against the door when louisa having dragged her sister into the room closed the door and set the bolt home in the very instant that the murderer's hand came into contact with the handle then from the violence of her emotions she fell down in a fit with her arm around her sister whom she had saved How long they lay in that state neither ever knew. The two old ladies had rushed upstairs on hearing the tumult. Other persons had been concealed in other parts of the house. The servants found themselves suddenly locked in and were not sorry to be saved from a collision which involved so awful a danger. The old ladies had rushed side by side into the very center of those who were seeking them. Retreat was impossible two persons at least were heard following them upstairs something like a shrieking expostulation and counter expostulation went on between the ladies and the murderers then came louder voices then one heart-piercing shriek and then another and then a slow moaning and a dead silence shortly afterwards was heard the first crashing of the door inward by the mob But the murderers had fled upon the first alarm and to the astonishment of the servants had fled upward examination however explained this from a window in the roof they had passed to an adjoining house recently left empty and here as in other cases we had proof how apt people are in the midst of elaborate provisions against remote dangers to neglect those which are obvious the reign of terror it may be supposed had now reached its acme the two old ladies were both lying dead at different points on the staircase and as usual no conjecture could be made as to the nature of the offense which they had given but that the murder was a vindictive one the usual evidence remained behind in the proofs that no robbery had been attempted two new features however were now brought forward in this system of horrors one of which riveted the sense of their insecurity to all families occupying extensive houses and the other raised ill blood between the city and the university such as required years to allay the first arose out of the experience now first obtained that these assassins pursued the plan of secreting themselves within the house where they meditated a murder all the care, therefore, previously directed to the securing of doors and windows after nightfall appeared nugatory. The other feature brought to light on this occasion was vouched for by one of the servants, who declared that the moment before the door of the kitchen was fastened upon herself and fellow servant, she saw two men in the hall, one on the point of ascending the stairs, the other making toward the kitchen, that she could not distinguish the faces of either but that both were dressed in the academic costume belonging to the students of the university the consequences of such a declaration need scarcely be mentioned suspicion settled upon the students who were more numerous since the general peace in a much larger proportion military and less select or respectable than heretofore still no part of the mystery was cleared up by this discovery many of the students were poor enough to feel the temptation that might be offered by any lucrative system of outrage jealous and painful collusions were in the meantime produced and during the latter two months of this winter it may be said that our city exhibited the very anarchy of evil passions this condition of things lasted until the dawning of another spring it will be supposed that communications were made to the supreme government of the land as soon as the murders in our city were understood to be no casual occurrences but links in a systematic series perhaps it might happen from some other business of a higher kind just then engaging the attention of our governors that our representations did not make the impression we had expected we could not indeed complain of absolute neglect from the government they sent down one or two of their most accomplished police officers and they suggested some counsels especially that we should examine more strictly into the quality of the miscellaneous population who occupied our large suburb but they more than hinted that no necessity was seen either for quartering troops upon us or for arming our local magistracy with ampler powers this correspondence with the central government occupied the month of march and before that time the bloody system had ceased as abruptly as it began the new police officer flattered himself that the terror of his name had wrought this effect but judicious people thought otherwise all however was quiet until the depth of summer when by way of hinting to us perhaps that the dreadful power which clothed itself with darkness had not expired but was only reposing from its labors all at once the chief jailer of the city was missing he had been in the habit of taking long rides in the forest his present situation being much of a sinecure it was on the first of july that he was missed in riding through the city gates that morning he had mentioned the direction which he meant to pursue and the last time he was seen alive was in one of the forest avenues about eight miles from the city leading toward the point he had indicated this jailer was not a man to be regretted on his own account his life had been a tissue of cruelty and brutal abuse of his powers in which he had been too much supported by the magistrates partly on the plea that it was their duty to back their own officers against all complainers partly also from the necessities created by the turbulent times for a more summary exercise of their magisterial authority no man therefore on his own separate account could more willingly have been spared than this brutal jailer and it was a general remark that had the murderous band within our walls swept away this man only they would have merited the public gratitude of purifiers from a public nuisance but was it certain that the jailer had died by the same hands as had so deeply afflicted the peace of our city during the winter or indeed that he had been murdered at all the forest was too extensive to be searched and it was possible that he might have met with some fatal accident his horse had returned to the city gates in the night and was found there in the morning nobody however for months could give information about his rider and it seemed probable that he would not be discovered until the autumn and the winter should again carry the sportsman into every thicket and dingle of this sylvan tract one person only seemed to have more knowledge in the subject than others and that was poor ferdinand von Harrelstein. he was now a mere ruin of what he had once been both as to intellect and moral feeling and i observed him frequently smile when the jailer was mentioned wait he would say till the leaves begin to drop then you will see that fine fruit our forest bears i did not repeat these expressions to anybody except one friend who agreed with me that the jailer had probably been hanged in some recess of the forest which summer veiled with its luxuriant umbrage and that ferdinand constantly wandering in the forest had discovered the body but we both acquitted him of having been an accomplice in the murder meantime the marriage between margaret liebenheim and maximilian was understood to be drawing near yet one thing struck everybody with astonishment as far as the young people were concerned nobody could doubt that all was arranged never was happiness more perfect than that which seemed to unite them margaret was the impersonation of Maytime and youthful rapture even maximilian in her presence seemed to forget his gloom and the worm which gnawed at his heart was charmed asleep by the music of her voice and the paradise of her smiles But until the autumn came, Margaret's grandfather had never ceased to frown upon this connection and to support the pretensions of Ferdinand. The dislike, indeed, seemed reciprocal between him and Maximilian. Each avoided the other's company, and as to the old man, he went so far as to speak sneeringly of Maximilian. Maximilian despised him too heartily to speak of him at all when he could not avoid meeting him he treated him with a stern courtesy which distressed margaret as often as she witnessed it she felt that her grandfather had been the aggressor and she felt also that he did injustice to the merits of her lover but she had a filial tenderness for the old man as the father of her sainted mother and on his account continually making more claims on her pity as the decay of his memory and a childish fretfulness growing upon him from day to day marked his increasing imbecility equally mysterious it seemed and about this time miss liebenheim began to receive anonymous letters written in the darkest and most menacing terms some of them she showed to me i could not guess at their drift evidently they glanced at maximilian and bade her beware of connection with him and dreadful things were insinuated about him could these letters be written by ferdinand written they were not but could they be dictated by him much i feared that they were and the more so for one reason all at once and most inexplicably margaret's grandfather showed a total change of opinion in his views as to her marriage instead of favoring Harrelstein's petitions as he had hitherto done he now threw the feeble weight of his encouragement into maximilian's scale though from the situation of all the parties nobody attached any practical importance to the change in mr liebenheim's way of thinking nobody is that true no one person did attach the greatest weight to the change poor ruined ferdinand he so long as there was one person to take his part so long as the grandfather of margaret showed countenance to himself had still felt his situation not utterly desperate thus were things situated when in november all the leaves daily blowing off from the woods and leaving bare the most secret haunts of the thickets, the body of the jailer was left exposed in the forest, but not, as I and my friend had conjectured, hanged. No, he had died apparently by a more horrid death, by that of crucifixion. The tree, a remarkable one, bore upon a part of its trunk this brief but savage inscription. T. H. The Jailer. Crucified July 1. 1816 a great deal of talk went on throughout the city upon this discovery nobody uttered one word of regret on account of the wretched jailer on the contrary the voice of vengeance rising up in many a cottage reached my ears in every direction as I walked abroad the hatred in itself seemed horrid and unchristian and still more so after the man's death but though horrid and fiendish for itself it was much more impressive considered as the measure and exponent of the damnable oppression which must have existed to produce it at first when the absence of the jailer was a recent occurrence and the presence of the murderers among us was in consequence revived to our anxious thoughts it was an event which few alluded to without fear but matters were changed now The jailer had been dead for months, and this interval, during which the murderer's hand had slept, encouraged everybody to hope that the storm had passed over our city, that peace had returned to our hearths, and that henceforth weakness might sleep in safety and innocence without anxiety. Once more we had peace within our walls, and tranquility by our firesides again the child went to bed in cheerfulness and the old man said his prayers in serenity confidence was restored peace was re-established and once again the sanctity of human life became the rule and principle for all human hands among us great was joy the happiness was universal O heavens by what a thunderbolt were we awakened from our security on the night of the 27th of december half an hour it might be after twelve o'clock an alarm was given that all was not right in the house of mr liebenheim vast was the crowd which soon collected in breathless agitation in two minutes a man who had gone round by the back of the house was heard unbarring mr liebenheim's door he was incapable of uttering a word but his gestures as he threw the door open and beckoned to the crowd were quite enough in the hall at the further extremity and as if arrested in the act of making for the back door lay the bodies of old mr liebenheim and one of his sisters an aged widow on the stair lay another sister younger and unmarried but upward of sixty the hall and lower flight of stairs were floating with blood where then was miss liebenheim the granddaughter that was the universal question for she was beloved as generally as she was admired had the infernal murderers been devilish enough to break into that temple of innocence and happy life everyone asked the question and everyone held his breath to listen but for a few moments no one dared to advance for the silence of the house was ominous at length someone cried out that miss liebenheim had that day gone upon a visit to a friend whose house was forty miles distant in the forest i replied another she had settled to go but i heard that Something something had stopped her the suspense was now at its height and the crowd passed from room to room but found no traces of miss liebenheim at length they ascended the stair and in the very first room a small closet a boudoir lay margaret with her dress soiled hideously with blood the first impression was that she also had been murdered but on a nearer approach she appeared to be unwounded and was manifestly alive life had not departed for her breath sent a haze over a mirror but it was suspended and she was laboring in some kind of fit the first act of the crowd was to carry her into the house of a friend on the opposite side of the street by which time medical assistants had crowded to the spot their attentions to miss liebenheim had naturally deranged the condition of things in the little room but not before many people found time to remark that one of the murderers must have carried her with his bloody hands to the sofa on which she lay for water had been sprinkled profusely over her face and throat and water had been placed ready to her hand when she might happen to recover upon a low footstool by the side of the sofa on the following morning maximilian who had been upon a hunting party in the forest returned to the city and immediately learned the news i did not see him for some hours after but he then appeared to me thoroughly agitated for the first time i had known him to be so in the evening another perplexing piece of intelligence transpired with regard to miss liebenheim which at first afflicted every friend of that young lady it was that she had been seized with the pains of childbirth and delivered of a son who however being born prematurely did not live many hours scandal however was not allowed long to batten upon this imaginary triumph for within two hours after the circulation of this first rumor followed a second authenticated announcing that maximilian had appeared with the confessor of the liebenheim family at the residence of the chief magistrate and there produced satisfactory proofs of his marriage with miss liebenheim which had been duly celebrated though with great secrecy nearly eight months prior in our city as in all the cities of our country clandestine marriages witnessed perhaps by two friends only of the parties besides the officiating priest are exceedingly common in the mere fact therefore taken separately there was nothing to surprise us but taken in connection with the general position of the parties it did surprise us all nor could we conjecture the reason for a step apparently so needless for that maximilian could have thought at any point of prudence or necessity to secure the hand of margaret liebenheim by a private marriage against the final opposition of her grandfather nobody who knew the parties who knew the perfect love which possessed miss liebenheim the growing imbecility of her grandfather or the utter contempt with which maximilian regarded him could for a moment believe altogether the matter was one of profound mystery meantime it rejoiced me that poor margaret's name had been thus rescued from the fangs of the scandalmongers. these harpies had their prey torn from them at the very moment when they were setting down to the unhallowed banquet for this i rejoiced but else there was little subject for rejoicing in anything which concerned poor margaret long she lay in deep insensibility taking no notice of anything rarely opening her eyes and apparently unconscious of the revolutions as they succeeded of morning or evening light or darkness yesterday or today great was the agitation which convulsed the heart of maximilian during this period he walked up and down in the cathedral nearly all day long and the ravages which anxiety was working in his physical system might be read in his face people felt it an intrusion upon the sanctity of his grief to look at him too narrowly and the whole town sympathized with his situation at length a change took place in margaret but one which the medical men announced to maximilian as boding ill for her recovery the wanderings of her mind did not depart but they altered their character she became more agitated she would start up suddenly and strain her eyesight after some figure which she seemed to see then she would apostrophize some person in the most piteous terms beseeching him with streaming eyes to spare her old grandfather look look she would cry out look at his gray hair oh sir he is but a child he does not know what he says but he will soon be out of the way and in his grave and very soon sir he will give you no more trouble then again she would mutter indistinctly for hours together Sometimes she would cry out frantically and say things which terrified the bystanders and which the physicians would solemnly caution them how they repeated. Then she would weep and invoke Maximilian to come and aid her. But seldom indeed did that name pass her lips that she did not again begin to strain her eyeballs and start up in bed to watch some phantom of her poor fevered heart as if it seemed vanishing into some mighty distance. End of the Avenger Part 2